Hello, and welcome to the Divorce Woman's Guide podcast, where we talk about the things us divorcees are thinking, but not always talking about, as we turn our divorce into the best gift you've ever been given. And I do so with a little bit of sass and a whole lot of class. I am your host, Wendy Sterling, founder of The Divorce Rehab. I am here to support you in this transition phase of your life so you can start your new best chapter on your own terms. After all, that's what I did after my own divorce. And now it is my mission to change the conversation around divorce and help you see why your divorce, like mine, was the best gift you ever received. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. How are you doing today? I am so excited that you have tuned in and you are here with me and my special guest today, Diane Sorensen. Hello, Diane. How are you? Hello, Wendy. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Me too. And I'm really looking forward to our conversation today where we're going to talk a little bit about two words that I know that we use quite often. And yet at the same time, they they mean different things. And those two words are empowered and powerlessness. So before we dive in, Diane, I want to share more about you with our audience today. So Diane is a relationship-based parenting coach, and she is the creator of the Beauty and Behavior Parent Coaching Program. Diane believes that children's behavior is constantly presenting us with opportunities for growth, both for them and for ourselves. Diane has been in the field of early childhood education for 30 years and holds degrees in early education and behavioral science. She is also trained in conscious discipline, which is a research-based approach grounded in neuroscience. In her time as a teacher, Diane implemented conscious discipline practices in her classroom. Teachers, administrators, and parents took notice and could see, hear, and most importantly, feel the difference in the classroom. Diane then took on the role of behavior specialist, teaching other education staff these practices before turning full-time to coaching parents. The beauty behavior program is designed to help parents understand their child's behavior on a deeper level, lower stress, and support parents in creating the relationships that they desire. Diane is also the creator and host of the Beauty and Behavior podcast. So Diane, my goodness, what a background. And I love the work that you are doing because what I always say is that parenting my kids is not just an opportunity for them to learn, but it's an opportunity for us as parents to also learn in the process. And clearly you have a deep passion for this work. And it is, you know, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, share with our audience, what inspired you to start doing this work and to take the path that you're headed to now? Well, what inspired me was it was what I needed to learn most. I came to this through my own parenting struggles and also seeing struggles in the classroom. And so I became really fascinated with behavior, just wanting to understand behavior more. And so I just took on this path of going back to school, delving into understanding behavior, 
And then being introduced to conscious discipline, which is, I say, that's really where my education started in taking a conscious approach and really redefining my relationships, my relationship Mm -hmm. with my children, with myself and with the children in the classroom. So that's kind of how it started. And it just continued to bloom there through, through that. Yeah. And I think so many of us struggle with that, right? Especially those of us who are even going through divorce and the thought of co-parenting and really just teaching our children, you know, how it is that they can stand in their power in similar ways that those of us that are going through the divorce process do on a, on a daily basis. So can you talk a little bit about the two words that I mentioned in the beginning, you know, to help people to kind of level set, like, how do you stand in your power? How do you not feel powerless, you know, as a human and and how that relates to not just your relationship with yourself, but also in relation to your children? Yeah. And that has been my journey. I felt powerless in my life and I really wasn't consciously aware of that until I started working with a coach Mm -hmm. and she asked me, how long have you felt powerless in your life? And boom, it just hit me. It's like, I have been powerless all of my life Mm -hmm. as a child in my first marriage with my children. I mean, you know, we become victims to life, you know, like, I can't do such X, Y, Z because I have children or I can't, you know, whatever it is. My first husband, well, he was going to be with me. So let's go with that. And, you know, I just, I think we fall into this victimhood. And so my journey really has been stepping into my own personal power. And that is really what I'm passionate about is helping parents step into their power because I felt powerless as a child and I felt powerless as a parent. And so we can choose to do powerless parenting, I guess you could put it, or we can do empowered parenting. So powerless is getting into these roles of victim or rescuer or persecutor. You know, we play these drama roles. And if you look at David Emerald, first came up with the drama triangle, came up with the empowerment triangle then to offset the drama triangle. So when we step into our power, we really become the creator. We can create the life that we desire. We can create the relationship that we want to have with our children. We can challenge ourselves to step into that creative role. We And we can become really our own coach. We can self-coach ourselves. We can coach our children through challenges so that they learn to be coach themselves and to create and to challenge themselves. So that's really what I'm passionate about. And it's not the traditional mindset of all or nothing either. It's like, oh, I can't be the victim anymore, the rescuer, the, you know, it's really about noticing when they show up. Oh, I'm no, you mean me? Cause I'm still, you know, the victim part of me will show up. And it's funny because when it shows up in one area of your life, 
it tends to show up in all the areas of your life if you, yep. you know, when you start to notice. So maybe it's money. Maybe I'm being a victim to my money or, you know, whatever it is, food, being a victim to food. And so just noticing that and becoming curious to, hmm, how could I shift that? How could I, you know, be a creator rather than a victim. victim. Um, yeah. You know, and the same with the rescue and the persecutor. You know, we play all these roles. It's just really noticing it, becoming aware of it. Right. So how does somebody begin that? Because I, you know, hi, former, you know, victim, right? That's actually step two of my divorce rehab process, right? E is all about ending the pity party, right? Ending your victim mindset. How can people start? Because sometimes it's sneaky. That victim mindset within your head is sometimes really sneaky. So how can people start paying attention to how it is that they are engaging in victimhood? You know, what are some common phrases that they may not know that they're saying where they are in that place? Oh, common phrases. Well, I think one of them as parents is falling into that. Well, I can't do... ABC because I have children, right? I can't go out for a walk because they just always want to be with me. Those kinds of things. Would you say finger pointing? Oh, blame. Yes. Blame. Yes. Blame is in the drama triangle. Yes. Where there is blame, there is pain. So we're offshooting our pain onto somebody else. So yeah, culturally, we are emotional avoiders, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to feel the emotions that come with conflict. So we avoid conflict. Why do we avoid conflict? Because that causes upset. We don't want anybody to be upset and we don't want to be, yeah, you're right. So, so we avoid all of, you know, feeling and blame is how we oftentimes avoid that feeling our own stuff rather than owning what's coming up within us. We're shooting it out and blame. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring something else up that I think is really important, which is around emotional intelligence, right? I I had zero emotional intelligence during my marriage. I think I had four words to describe feelings. And it really wasn't until my divorce that I started understanding, oh, wow, there's just like the spectrum of emotions and feelings that I get to have. And you know, how does your emotional intelligence play out in in this way? And how, you know, I almost want people to know that it's not too late to increase your Mm. EQ, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. Emotional intelligence or awareness really is the bridge between problem and solution. We need to be able to feel and understand our emotions and what they're telling us. And it is never too late. I was in my 40s when I came into this work and I was completely disconnected from feeling emotions. I I say I had two feelings and that was happy and mad and I did not feel them. I acted them out. So if I was happy, I was just over the top. You know, everybody knew I was happy. And if I was angry, I was over the top and everybody knew I was angry because I was communicating it on the outside. Like if I was angry, it was like, I'm communicating this in 
slamming things down or slamming a cupboard door, you know, and that told people, oh, you know, something's wrong and they should do something different to make it okay for me. Right. So emotional intelligence and how important that is for people to learn and that they can learn at any time in their life. Yeah. It's so interesting as coming from it as a teacher that we do not teach children and we did not learn, you know, it's just not taught how to feel emotions. We talk about them. We read stories about them. We label, you know, facial expressions, but it's almost like it's all external. You know, we do all these external things, but we typically do not teach their inside. And where do you feel them? Do you feel them in your chest? Do you feel sadness in your chest or is it in your stomach or is it in your hands? Where do you feel it? You know, I remember the first time somebody asked me that, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) that just sounded crazy to me. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. And so when we can connect to our emotions, we are connecting to a very intimate expression of ourself. We are connecting into our inner world. And then we are understanding ourselves and we are understanding our behavior. Because here's the deal. Emotions are driven not from the outside of us. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we think people make us angry or things make us angry. And it's really not the things or the people. It's the thoughts we're having about the things and the people. So they're really driven from our thoughts and our behavior is driven through our emotions. So it is all internal. This is all coming from us. And when we can understand that we can own that and take the responsibility off of other people to to make it okay for us, you know, essentially we're giving our power away because we're giving it to other people and saying, you have to change or do something to make it okay for me. And then vice versa, we think I have the responsibility to make you okay, to make you not upset. And then nobody's taking responsibility for their own thoughts, feelings, and behavior. So that's, I think, where we need to kind of shift. Yep. And and I hear you in that it really does start with awareness, right? Paying attention to your thoughts, because I agree with you, that is then what, like we, we're good storytellers, right? I talk about how, and I did this in my marriage all the time, like something would happen and then I would play out a story. Like I would have a full conversation in my head without involving my husband at the time. And then I would get mad because all of a sudden the story I created evoked these feelings, right? The thoughts evoked feelings. And he was like, whoa, I was not, what, what just happened? Right. And I think a lot of times we are in that subconscious storytelling place where sometimes we have a hard time distinguishing between like, wait, is this happening up here? Did I just say that out loud? So if step one is awareness, right? Then what do you do once you have the awareness of your thoughts? A lot of people have trouble, at least in my experience, it's like, okay, well now I I hear it. Now what do I do with this? Like, how do I change this? Right. So, and I think because we live in such a culture of blame, 
oftentimes we go from blaming others to then self-blame. Right. And now, oh yeah, I need, I need fixing, right? And we don't need fixing. We need understanding. So it's really just noticing mm. that these thoughts are happening and just being able to notice them. You don't have to even get rid of them. Just notice them, bring them into the light and say, oh, there you are. There's that story about how not enough I am or, you know, whatever the story is. And just, you know, as soon as you pay attention to it and notice it, it loses power over you. And so when we try and get rid of it, then it has power. We're we're trying to, we're resisting. And whatever we resist, that's the struggle. Right. I always say what resist what we resist persists. Yes, and grows bigger. <laughs> and gets even bigger. Exactly. And you know, I had to write that down. We don't need fixing, we need understanding. And and so what I hear from that too is compassion, right? I you know, so step one is awareness, step number two is acknowledgement, and then but it's acknowledgement with compassion, right? Yes. Instead of moving into blame or even the word that came up for me was judgment is really just, you have to, you, I always say you take the power out by naming it, right? So naming that that voice just came out and that that voice said that. And when you name it, it takes the power out and enables you to really kind of recalibrate for lack of a better word to then do what? So what's step three, would you say? So we did awareness. We did awareness, self, acknowledgement, self-compassion. Yeah. And then practice or focusing. What is it you want? Right. What do you want to happen? Right. right. You know, we're so used to focusing on what we don't want. Right. So focus on what you do want and then take action. Action is where transformation happens. Yep. And practicing practicing. This is micro shifts. This is, you know, we traditionally, we live in this good or bad, black and white, all or nothing. And so it's like, well, if I'm not going to do this, I got to stop doing all of that. And I'm going to start doing all of this. And that's not how transformation takes place. Yep. It's micro steps. And I'll give you an example. So I've been really tuning into my health and body image. And so I've been trying to drink water. Well, you know, for some people that is just a given. It's like they didn't drink a ton of water. For me, I didn't grow up drinking water. I grew up drinking milk and Kool-Aid. So water, and I just don't feel like I, you know, I just don't, I don't know. I just don't, it's not something that comes easy to me. And so I'd always have these big things and I make this commitment that, okay, I'm going to drink one of these a day. And, you know, I do it for a little bit and then it fall off. So what I learned was to take very small micro steps. So I started to, I drank one glass of water a day, one glass for a whole month, one glass of water. And it's like, okay, you know, that's probably not enough, but I made it's it a enough. baby step. I made it's a it micro enough. step, Diane. I, it. I made it <laughs> enough. And that's, I think that's why we don't do this because, right. well, that's not enough. That's not going to make a difference. But I did it. I, for a month, I did one glass. The next month, I added a glass and I got to two glasses. The following month, I did three glasses. And then I thought, I'm just going to cap it at three because I'm not 
you know, this big water person. However, at the end of that month, I just naturally started to drink sometimes four or five glasses a day. But my goal, my I consciously do have those three glasses. And now a lot of times it leads to more. So micro shifts do make a difference. The difference they make is consistency. And that is key, consistency. Small, consistent action is way better than a big, inconsistent action. Right. And I'm also hearing that it takes conscious thought, right? Conscious thought behind taking conscious action and not setting our goals so high that they become unattainable, but that instead keep us inconsistent practice. Right. And that's letting go of that perfectionist mm-hmm. mindset as yeah. well. You know, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be this or I'm just going to give up and I don't do anything. And then I'll right. start again next week. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I'm curious to know, because I know that a lot of these behaviors, like I always say, there's a ripple effect to when we're making shifts in ourselves, that there's a ripple effect that happens with our children as well. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what, how that influences, impacts our parenting of our children and you know, again, kind of what that ripple effect looks like. It's really letting go of control, right? We so really, hard. I know. Have <laughs> to control. It feels so safe. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, when we start to shift how we feel on the inside, it shifts our energy on the outside. So I always say, what we want to create externally we need to first create internally. So a lot of the parents that come to me say, I just want peace. I just want calm. And that doesn't mean calm on the outside. That means first you need to create that inner calm. And how do we do that? Well, it could be through meditation. And meditation might mean a whole bunch of different things. It's, you know, meditation isn't sitting cross-legged with your, you know, <laughs> hands up, right. chanting um, om or whatever. I think we have this, sometimes this image of meditation. Oh, it, could of be, it could be just going on a walk by yourself and yeah. just being with yourself and noticing your surroundings, noticing the birds, noticing whatever, noticing the cold air or the warm air or whatever it is. And allowing yourself just, to take out your earbuds and just be with yourself. And I think it can, can be a real challenge for it's people. It's hard for a lot of people. Because we have this voice going in our head all the time, whether we're conscious of it or not, and we want to drown it out. Right? We want to drown it out. So rather than drowning it out, let's start listening to it. So yeah, so that you know, is the first thing is just being with yourself and understanding yourself. Because here's the deal. When we start to understand ourselves in how our own emotions work and how our own behavior works, then we yeah. understand other people yeah. too. Because before this podcast start, before we started recording, Wendy, I was telling you about how It's funny when we, I just came back from a women's retreat and how, when you take all the roles away, all of our status, all of our job titles, all of our roles as parent or wife or whatever it is, 
we really are the same. There, we we are so the same in so many ways. We might have unique differences, but we have more similarities than we do differences. And I think we just so much focus on those differences and trying to be like other people, which we already are like other people. We just need to embrace our uniqueness. Yeah. And I, I so, so wise because I feel like we live in a world where we're trying to fit in, right? God forbid we have a different belief. God forbid we think something differently. You know, I think a lot of that too, you've been through divorce and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the shame and embarrassment that we all feel, you know, it takes, it takes a village to help shift that belief. And it really, I do believe that it is possible. Change is possible. And it just takes one action at a time, one person at a time holding the space for yourself for those thoughts and just knowing and trusting that you get to shift your mindset, right? You get to go from glass half empty to glass half full because possibility is everywhere, right? It's just a matter of slowing down, opening your eyes and stepping into the possibility, which to me is where the power is. Right. And then you will, you set your children free to be who they want to become or who they are meant to be rather than this is who you need to be in order for me to be a good parent, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that is the fear. There's so much shame in parenting. We, and, and, and what's done to us as well. You know, we had become the person that our parents needed us to be. And we tend to try to mold, we put so much energy in molding our children into who we think they're supposed to be to fit into society. Right. That, I mean, it's exhausting because if we're going to control their behavior, then we have to control their thoughts. We have to control their emotions. I mean, that is just exhausting. Yes. And change is possible because I am proof. That change is possible. And again, I didn't even start this until in my 40s. And my children were older teens when I came into this. And yeah, my life has dramatically shifted. So I know it's possible. Yeah, it's so much freedom in it. So much freedom in knowing that, oh, I don't have to control my child's experience they get to experience their journey. They get to have a journey. They're not, you know, we often say things like, I don't want them to make the same mistakes I did. Well, they're not going to make your mistakes. They are going to make their mistakes. And because that's how we learn. There's challenges every single day. And when we can show up to those challenges, then we can move through them to solutions and and better things. Because if we didn't have challenges, we'd just be stagnant, right? We wouldn't grow and evolve. The struggle comes when we resist the challenges. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I believe is where the control comes in. And if everybody just took all the energy and the time that they spent trying to control the things out of their control and shifted that into the things that they do, could you imagine how much more time and energy you would have in your life and and how much more present you would be with your kids if we stopped 
trying to control everything. You know, I remember the term like, cause my boys now are almost 16 and 12 and a half. And so, you know, the term helicopter parenting, it, you know, it's like, oh, you're, you're following them every step. Cause you don't want them to fall down. And you, my parents weren't following me around. My parents like lived in a three-story house. Do you think my parents thought twice about me falling down the stairs or like, you know, were all over me to make sure that I wasn't going to fall down the stairs? Like I rode my bike. I fell off my bike. I skinned a knee and I'm doing just fine. Right. And I think that there's a certain amount of living that we get to allow our kids to do even at a young age. And just because they fall, it doesn't mean you did something wrong. It means that they they fell. (laughs) They did something that caused them to fall. And there is a lesson that they get to learn in that. And if you're constantly picking them back up or, you know, even negating their feelings, that drives me crazy. When I hear parents say, oh, you're going to be fine. It's like, but they're crying and they're expressing emotion to you in this moment. It drives me crazy when I hear a parent negate their kid's feelings. Now, I catch myself as well because there's times where I will fall victim into that, but then I correct myself, right? So the thing that I also hope that everybody's hearing you say is that it you get to shift at any moment, even after you notice that you may have handled something incorrectly, right? Because there have been times where my son has said like, you know, I don't like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You love that. And then it's like, wait a second, Wendy. Okay. I had, you know, what, what about it? Don't you like now? Right. So like getting curious instead of negating how they're feeling. Right. And we're really doing our kids a disservice when we follow them around and try to make everything great for them. Because (laughs) how in the world... When they grow up and get out in the world, how are they going to manage themselves if they don't know how to deal with conflict or upset or problems? We want them to experience those things when they're young and when they're within our environment. So we can teach them how to lean into, you know, those feelings and be able to get to the other side. And yeah, negating feelings. I just read something the other day that I got at a conference sometime several years ago. And it said, the greatest gift you can give to another person is honoring their thoughts and their feelings. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, yes, I love that. that is so true. And we try to get rid of our kids' feelings so often. And we think we're saving them from feeling discomfort, but really we're saving ourselves from feeling the discomfort. We don't want to see our children having emotions because we're not comfortable with our own emotions. So again, back to your how when we shift this within ourselves, how does it help, you know, our children? It makes a huge impact when we are able to sit, be the container, give them, hold space for them so they can feel sad, so they can feel frustrated. When we can hold that, that is impactful. That's when they feel understood and they feel seen and they feel heard. I think really as humans, that's all we want. All we all want. of us. I was just to be thinking seen that. to be heard and to feel understood. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
I, I was literally just thinking that I'm like, all we want is to feel heard and seen and acknowledged. And, you know, and I, and it starts with yourself, you know, as soon as you know what that feels like, it becomes a lot easier to be able to afford the space to gift that to other people. So, yeah. Yeah. And it can be annoying. I know sometimes my clients are like, oh, I know it's back to me again. It's back to me again. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes we don't want to look at ourselves and, but yeah, it's so much freedom in that when you allow yourself to move through the resistance, move through the fear of whatever that is, whatever I think I'm going to see. And yeah, it's such a gift. It is, as are you. Mm -hmm. Diane, thank you so much for being my guest today. And I would love for you to share how people can find you. And I know that you also have a free gift for our audience. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was an honor to be here. Yeah. And people can find me at on Instagram at beauty.in.behavior. And all my links are there. So I do have a website also, dianesorensen.net, podcast that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, Beauty in Behavior. And if you go to my website, dianesorensen.net, I do have free gift for you. There's free parenting information resources on there, some parenting myths, how to deal with a child who's showing aggression. So yeah, you can grab those and... Yeah. Thank you so much, Wendy. Of course. Thank you. And everybody, all of those resources are in the show notes. So you can go ahead and click on those links and grab a hold of those downloads. It's really important. I feel like, you know, the more information that we receive, the better armed we are to be the best version of ourselves and all of the roles in our life. So Diane, I know I learned a lot. I wrote some stuff down today that you said that was so incredibly powerful. And to those of you too, in. I hope that you guys got a wealth of knowledge from this conversation today. I know that I did. And with every single one of my podcast episodes, that is exactly what I'm striving for on your guys's behalf. So if you have feedback about today's episode, you know, I love hearing from you. So feel free to shoot me an email at wendy at wendysterling.net. Also be sure to subscribe to my podcast so that you do not miss a single episode. It releases every single week. And I hope that you you guys have a beautiful rest of your day, wherever it is that you are, whatever time it is, sending you all so much love, light, and joy as always. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorced Woman's Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this episode with someone you know, or spread the word on social media. This is how I reach more divorcees around the world and provide them with the support they need to create their next best life. And I would also love to continue the conversation with you. So please friend me on Facebook, join my private Facebook group, The Divorce Rehab, and follow me on Instagram at Divorce Rehab with Wendy. I'll see you next time. 